Hey, just a quick announcement. Minnesota Co-op Get Together, sponsored by Joe's Shrimp Shack, put together by Joe's Shrimp Shack, is going to be happening this weekend, June 3rd. Come and see us. All of the aquarium guys are going to actually be there in person. Adam, Jimmy, and me, and we'll have our pens to sign butts. I mean your fish accessories. Uh, Jimmy will be having a large vendor table, but come check the place out, not just for us. I want you to see this place. Right now, there's over 53 vendors of houseplants, freshwater, saltwater, artists, small businesses, food trucks, aquascaping. It's for kids and adults. There's going to be raffles. It's going to be straight up fun for the first time ever doing this. So if this turns out, we're going to get more of these. Please show up. It will be 14236 23rd Avenue, North Plymouth, Minnesota, 55447. You can also find us on mnco-op.com. There'll be kids drawing contests, kids aquascaping, be there or be square. We also have a sponsored ad from Dee's Fish Co. Hi, this is Derek with Dee's Fish Co. in Detroit Lakes, Minnesota. We are celebrating our one-year anniversary this Saturday and Sunday, June 3rd and 4th. And as a thank you to everyone, we are doing 25% off everything in the store. That includes tanks, live goods such as fish, plants, medication, any treatments, foods, everything. So stop on in, 3rd and 4th. And remember, you don't want Doe's fish, you want Dee's fish. Let's kick that podcast. Jimmy, you look uh, you look tired. I am tired. Yes, it's been a long week. Has it? Yes, I, I was on vacation last week, and now this week we've had we've had some poo poos at our house, and and uh, so yeah, there hasn't been much yeah. sleep. <laughs> poo poos. We've had a lot of poo poos. My my, my my wife fell yesterday. Lot, lots of poo poos. Well, let me tell you about the first poo poo. I'm in. First poo poo. So I was on vacation last week, and my wife and I uh, we live up in northern Minnesota, a couple blocks from Robbie. And we uh, we originally had taken the week off so we could go down to the Minnesota uh, Aquarium Society show, and that got canceled. So we had all kinds of time to free up, and so we bought a bunch of concert tickets. And so we went. Oh God! So we went down to Minneapolis to saw a couple shows on Saturday, Sunday. We came home Monday. Uh, while we were gone, my my dogs were mad because we left. And my son, who's in his thirties, takes care of our our dogs. Yeah. And so the dog crapped on the floor every day for him. I'd, li- I'd like to also point out when you were gone, yeah, uh, the dogs crapped on the floor, and I didn't once prank you. No, in fact, I left chocolate banana bread yeah. in your fridge. I know, and, All right, and, and I ate just most for the record, I ate most of that. So that was Saturday, Sunday. We're down in Minneapolis. Uh, Tuesday, we go down to up to Bemidji during that snowstorm. Saw Ario Speedwagon concert. Uh, came home, dogs crapped on the floor. And then on uh, Friday morning, we went off to Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and saw Journey and Toto. Had a great time. And then I'm we jealous. Got, and then we got a distress call from my son. And they he crapped on the floor again. Crapped on the floor again. And we said, you know what? He says, I, he's a musician. He had a gig to play. He said, I, I don't have time to clean it up. I'll come back and clean it up. 
And we said, don't worry about it. Oh, you know? no. They tracked it all across the house. Not the dogs, no. Oh, not the dog. No. You. No, no not me. Not me. <laughs> okay. It was our little automatic... Uh, uh, robot. Robot oh, vacuum cleaner. You had the iRobot <laughs> mirror 3000. All over. 100% of our carpet. And, and the thing went pushing these turds until the thing got so clogged up, it just stalled. That's stalled. fantastic. And it only... It only was like 40 square feet of carpet, did it? Only. And then, of course, only. It, so then it kind of threw it up on the couch. And, and uh, then my son comes back. And now there's a, a thin film of doggy doo-doo all over the linoleum also. I can smell this. Comes in, thinks the dog has eaten the turd that he left. Oh, no. And starts looking for it. So he, in the dark, walks through this with his shoes. Oh. <laughs> so not only is it in the living room, it's in the dining room. It's in the I'm sunroom. so glad I didn't prank you this vacation. Yeah. And, uh, and so that was, that was the, the, the first week. And then uh, yesterday, my, my, my wife hit the, uh, hit the ice. Um, and she's now on crutches and a boot. And now she's... Oh. Going, and uh, so, yeah. So now I, the reason I was late tonight is because I was doing laundry. Because uh, she can't go up and down the stairs. Well, you're a gentleman. And a scholar. I just did my laundry. I didn't do hers. Well, before we go into too many more <laughs> stories, I, I'm your host, Rob Zolson. I'm Jim Colby. And I'm Adam Elnishar. And we have on with us today, uh, privileged to have on with us today, a, uh, um, uh, how do I put this? I've never seen someone not be like technically famous, but yet everybody in the aquarium hobby knows him. Knows this guy. And just has everything good to say about him. Larry Shankle, <laughs> it's so good to have you on the podcast. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. So you're—I <laughs> don't know how to put this. You, you may not be like listed famous, but you are infamous. Like there is not anybody. Like I'm like people are asking like, what's coming on the podcast next? I'm like, well, we're having Larry Shankle on. I don't know if you ever heard of him. Oh my God, he's the best. Like I didn't have anybody <laughs> that didn't just yeah we really blow up your skirt. I, I heard that from several people also. <laughs> yeah, and stuff. It's been a long time coming that we get somebody on here who knows something about rainbow fish. So we're pretty excited. <laughs> Well, uh, Larry, before we uh, before you begin, uh, I, I see here that you're on webcam with us on Discord Live, and uh, after the podcast, I think you said you're even going to do us a, a fish room tour for the people that are live. Is that correct? Yeah, I can I can run it through the, the <clears throat> through the fish room. I'm pretty excited. So, where are you located, Larry? What state are uh, you? In, in the I, kitchen. Yeah, you're yeah, in the I'm kitchen. Right in the kitchen. All right. right near the corner here. <laughs> Stockton, California. Okay. So the weather's nice there. Um, yeah, rainy. Yeah. Uh, we, we hate you. Yeah, what, yeah, what we, happened we, to the drought? The that was supposed to be happening <laughs> oh, yeah. everywhere. It was 21 below here last night. Oh. Yeah. I, I'm glad we're not like that. <laughs> <laughs> we're supposed to hit the 70s in about a week. Oh, oh God bless. Yeah, I, I hope you're okay. Let us know. Yeah, I hope you're okay. <laughs> You're so yeah, mean. Some rads are going to find their uh, uh, their little uh, butts out in the the outside to do a little bit of spawning this summer. Hey, I do a lot of spawning this summer too. That's how you get it done. Well, mm-hmm. uh, before we begin, uh, you had a story there, Jimmy. Uh, I also have a couple uh, updates. 
So one, we've had a bunch of people up our derriere trying to get us to have a PO box so they can ship us random uh, bits of uh, uh, of garbage. I, I do not accept bombs in the mail. No, no bombs. No bombs. Uh, no, but I've seriously, I've had a lot of fans trying to send us stuff, and they've they've, <laughs> they've whined and begged. Robbie, that's called a PO box. Robbie, that's called a cease and assist, is what it is. People that's just want you to shut up. <laughs> is that what it is? That's exactly what it is. They they want to they want to be able to send us those letters. I mean, I, I know your fan club disbanded after your one friend died, so. Oh, Oh, oh boy. Uh, so I, I do have, we don't have a P.O. box, but we do have an agreement with Dee's Fish Co. that they are going to be our P.O. box. <laughs> so if you want to send the aquarium guys uh, some sort of package in the mail, uh, I actually had a gentleman uh, ship me uh, vinegar eels. I thought that I had to order them yet, and they just show up. He's like, oh, I get a call from Derek at the fish store. Hey, uh, you got a package of piss here that showed up? It says the aquarium guys on it. I'm like, look closer. They're vinegar eels. I'm pretty sure they're pissed, but that's okay. We don't want that. So the address is 223 Front Street West, Detroit Lakes, Minnesota, 56501. Um, please send all of your didgeridoos, all of uh, your, your bags of vinegar uh, uh, piss, uh, Whatever you'd like to, uh, uh, and we'll 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 read it on the uh, open it up on the podcast. There you go. Yeah, that'll be fun when it blows up. It's going to be great. Yeah, that's why we do these I don't live have to worry witnesses. About it. What's that, Adam? I don't have to worry about that. No, you're far enough away. You'll see you'll see the mushroom cloud. <laughs> it's all right. If you want Adam's address put on blast, just join our Patreon. <laughs> all right, all right. So there, uh, that's one update, and uh, the other one is. I am starting a project that we're going to be doing, uh, hopefully doing a podcast on in the future. I have been have I've had a lot of fans ask about trying to get into the salt for, uh, water for the first time, and they have two common issues that they complain about to us trying to come up with better solutions. We're traditionally freshwater brackish people at best. Uh, we're really not salt people. I've done maybe three salt tanks ever. Uh, we've had salt I've done water. A lot of salt. Adams, Adams probably our in-house salt expert out of the three of us. Jimmy and I really haven't touched it that terribly much. Nope. Um, so I decided uh, from their complaints that one, their complaints are if they say that the hobby is too intimidating. Um, the people uh, have to be nitpicky experts, and above all else, it's extremely expensive. If you don't have eight thousand dollars and every bit of technology in these high-tech tanks, you're just doomed to fail or shouldn't do it. So I don't. I, I want to take that head on. I'm gonna. I have a sixty-gallon tank, uh, sixty-gallon high, and I have set it up salt water. But I have mission. I'm going to do it with no motors. I'm going to do it with no heat. Uh, I have set this aquarium up to only work on air-powered devices, air-driven devices. So I have a Jimmy car seat sponge filter. I have two um, moving bed media reactors. They're just, you can get those off of uh, Alibaba. They have them on Amazon. It's just a moving bed. Uh, It's like a little air-driven sponge filters. And I have even an air-driven skimmer. Because in salt water, you're going to have to deal with... uh, Suck the scum. You have to have a skimmer. There's really no way around it. So I want to do this. Uh, I've been doing uh, a, a lot of research on different species to give a try, and I'm finding out that nothing in the hobby is really documented well. If you want to look up a certain coral, they're not telling you the temperature range because they're just assuming that you're going to treat it like a traditional reef tank, that you're always going to be this you know, 78, 80 degrees uh, no matter what. So they don't list fish species. They don't list coral species. They don't have a lot of temperature temperate information. 
Uh, so I have to do a, a ton of research, and I have uh, Myrtle Wood that's uh, now living here in Minnesota and been helping me with this whole project. And it's been quite fun. We've got a bunch of different corals. We got some sponge. Uh, we got even some clownfish that are not supposed to be able to handle the, that cold of water. So my basement's somewhere around 70, 71 degrees, which puts my aquariums anywhere between 67 and 68 degrees at all times, just being uh, room temperature. And of course, I have posted on a bunch of saltwater threads and forums, and that uh, I am now public enemy number one. Uh, in the saltwater community, people are losing their <laughs> minds. Um, they're telling me how I'm killing animals and killing coral, because uh, again, coral's not a plant; it's it's technically an animal, uh, and that I'm risking this. So uh, I just like to put out uh, there that uh, bite me, um, <laughs> each and every one of you, and it's working. We've uh, set this up. I have a control tank and I have this tank, and we've yet to lose a coral. It's been working well. We've uh, put. Uh, what was the type of clown starts with an O? Ocelaris. Ocelaris clowns. I was going to look up. Uh, you don't even know what the name is. Uh, it, again, I, I had, <laughs> I've had zero sleep in the last thirty hours, so forgive me. Um, but uh, again, I was trying to try to get a, a different type of clown that's more suitable for cold water, but that uh, it's way expensive and out of a beginner's price range. So I'm I'm trying yeah, this out. Yeah, they're like twenty six hundred dollars. Yeah, they're 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 expensive for sure. So we're just trying a, a aquarium or saltwater staples, and it's been working very well. The only uh, the modification that we're having to make is you know using a traditional freshwater light doesn't have enough par penetration in the tank, and that's what the corals feed off of. So I'm having to do supplemental lights until my new reef light comes in. I have a Kessel uh, green tuna, which was intended for freshwater. Um, that I'm spot uh, hitting the coral to make sure that they're getting the adequate light until my new light comes in. So this is working well, and if it continues to work well, I'd like to write a guide to make it less intimidating for people on how to start and get their toes wet in salt water. Because if I'm wrong, I wasted some money and I killed some coral. Uh, if I'm right, I probably have hundreds of you listeners that are willing to give salt water a try because it's more cost-effective and feasible. So that's going to be exciting. Cool. And, and next week, we'll see Robbie's fish tank on our aquariums on the Reddit board. 100%. <laughs> I can't wait. 100%. But it has been working well, so we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, Adam, you got any news? Um, oh, I found out that Corydoras are venomous. Some are, yeah. Yeah, yes. and now I'm really excited because that's one more venomous thing that I can get that technically isn't dangerous. Adam is always trying to find a way to get rid of his wife, Larry. Larry is laughing his ass <laughs> off right now. He's really trying to keep it together over there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Adam was not on uh, our Internet uh, Stories episode. And on there, Adam, we had a uh, guy that swallowed a Corydora drunk at a party. And the, the spines got stuck in his oh. throat and he venom injected. So they had to rush him to emergency surgery, and they still have it in some public museum, the actual, like, uh, albino Corydora. <laughs> How like... drunk are you to swallow a Corydora? I've been that drunk. So I get Corydoras in, in there and not the guy. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing is it took them a while to get to the emergency room because they kept just, here, drink more, get it out of your throat. So they kept throwing more booze <laughs> down in his throat, trying to, like, here, that'll free it up. You should kill it with some, some tequila, right, Larry? Larry's laughing his head off. Larry's just, Larry's just trying to keep it together. 
All right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, last update from that uh, episode as well. We talked about the frog army. Remember that, Jimmy? Yes, that was disgusting as That was disgusting as uh, Apparently, he's back at it. And so remind uh, remind people what this if they haven't heard that what happened just yeah, briefly. We had an episode again on internet stories, and one of the creepy stories that we talked about was this gentleman on TikTok called Frog Army. We're pretty sure that he's either mentally handicapped or a child. We're not real sure which, and he <laughs> or delusional, or delusional something. Some uh, people are both. He decided to go out to his local swamps, uh, which were drying up, by the way, and he wanted to quote unquote save the frog eggs. Well, the frog eggs, uh, he did counts on the batches of frog eggs, and he's like, I wonder if I could collect as much as I can all summer long and see if I can create my own frog army. So and he, he filled how he, many children's It pools? was like low estimates of like 1.6 million frogs, and he put them all in pools in his backyard. He hatched them all. He was giving them mass amounts of food. He hatched them all, and they took over his entire suburban neighborhood. Uh, so much so that some people moved out of their homes because they had a fear of frogs. Uh, they were getting in between cracks of their house and getting into buildings. Like the entire neighborhood was blanketed in a carpet of baby frogs and greasing up the streets. Yeah, you'd take a step and just everywhere was smashed. So uh, this gentleman, which I'm assuming he had, like let's pretend it was an HOA, they would have hung him. I'm assuming they tried to go after him from some sort of lawsuit and probably couldn't. But he, after he did this. His whole feed just stopped. Like, clearly you're like, okay, they got this guy. He's not going to do it again. Nope, now he's back at it. Well, good news. So we'll have something more to talk about later We on. will have to update that as well. Yep. Any other stories, Jimmy? That's all I got. We should go on with Larry here. Larry. He falls asleep. Larry, uh, forgive us. <laughs> so... <laughs> I want. Let's start with more about you, Larry. Tell us. Uh, tell us more about yourself. How did you get into this wonderful hobby? Uh, it's actually my parents' fault. <laughs> that, that's how <laughs> it starts. In 19, 1969, uh, I had my first fish, fish tank. Uh, I still remember that whole thing. I think you are not that old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm up there, and just hit sixty. So you shoot, yeah. Um, from there, I'd gotten out of it, then um, ended up getting back in and started doing some breeding and started working with a couple of stores. And then next thing I knew, I was working for that store. And um, then from there, I decided I was going to open my own store. So then back in the, uh, the 80s, I opened up a store called Something Fishy in Davis, California. Then uh, opened a second store up in Citrus Heights. And... Uh, made it there for a while that was in the bad times of everything was starting to go down uh, stores are having troubles we had troubles so we ended up closing down uh, took all the tanks home I was up at 150 tanks in one of the stores Wow so I started breeding he yeah, started breeding again so in the 90s I was breeding and had a bunch of rainbows going and oh, a bunch of Danios and Corys and whatnot uh, then got back out a, a little bit, and uh, then got married to my wife, and told her, uh, yeah, we're going to end up having some uh, wet pets here. Um, hope you're okay with that. She said, oh, yeah, no problem. So, of course, I had to get one tank, and knowing where I was headed, and now I'm back up to 100 tanks again here in the house. Wow. It is always best to ask for forgiveness than for permission. Oh, That's I've got exactly a big dog house. What's that? Yeah, I, yeah. I've got a big doghouse I, I live in quite a bit. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So, uh, Larry, uh, what, what uh, I've talked to you, I've been friends with you for a few years now, uh, and just, you know, lightly, a couple times a year, chit-chat back and forth on Facebook. I've been uh, meaning to get you on the podcast. We finally, I'm glad we finally did. Uh, but uh, w- what got you into Rainbow Fish specifically, considering that's what we're having you on the podcast for? You know, it, it was actually it started back when I had my store. Uh, I sold a couple of rainbows, and of course, back then, uh, the uh, there's not very many out there. And of course, I'm like, well, where are they at? So they kept coming in slowly through the years. Um, you've got a lot of the the people going out and and catching them and finding them. Gary Lang, um, he's very well known for it. Even has one named after him now, the Gary Lang Eye. Um, and after, um, oh shoot, after a little bit here, uh, I said, you know, it's just got to get back into the rainbows. And well, then I ended up getting onto the Rainbow Fish Live forum uh, on Facebook, and um, I'm at one of the admins on there now. And um, it just got me buried harder and harder and harder into where. Yeah, at one point I had 24 different species, uh, anything from extinct to rare to um, the the most common, and uh, I just love them to death. I mean, they're I think they have one of the best colors out there. When you when you look at the the varieties of, of how many are out there, there's tons of different colors. It, it just they're not easy to get. Uh, you don't find them in the stores, not that easily. Um, not the not the ones that are more difficult. Excuse my puppy here. <laughs> Hi, puppy. <laughs> it's Holly. She, she's still a baby. She loves to bite. <laughs> um, but yeah, they, they're getting more and more common. Um, finding, I'm sure there's still going to be more out there to to be found in the wild and brought in. Um, they seem to find them every couple of years, a new one. Uh, the Kali Tawa was one of the latest ones. It was a, a few years ago. Gary Lang had brought that one in. Um, very beautiful fish. So what species do you have currently? Oh, shoot. Um, now I got you on a pop quiz. Well, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I've got anything from MRI to um, I've got your common lacustris and bosmani and bomani and um, oh shoot again now being on the spot of course I can't even think of the names there's probably right now I'm probably up at about maybe 11 to 12 different species um, the, the ornatus and then I've got a couple uh, uh, that are from blue hole um, and several other ones. Um, probably need to take a walk to try to remember that. Oh, no worries. Um, so what's, what is your favorite one? What is, what is the one that you keep going back to that you, you get rid of and then you oh. go get them again? Oh, it's the Blair Eye. I, that's that one and the Amari. I, I keep tossing up between those two. I really do. They're, they're both just gorgeous. Amari is extinct. Um, wish it wasn't. Uh down on on numbers so i don't have actually any any fry on them uh but in the blair i i had lost my last one on that one last year was a little bit tough for us and for uh, medical stuff so we lost a lot of fish a lot of different species 
that was that was tough. And what what happened that you'd lost them? Um, I ended up with cancer, and I also had blown a bicep in my right arm. I am so sorry, so Larry. That's a rough deal. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's been it's been a road. Cancer free at the moment, so everything's good. Congratulations. So getting that's, things back up and going. That's fantastic. I mean, here is is somebody who's resilient. Who I mean, this all happened to us. Where we've had to kind of get out of it because life hits you. You know, spouse, yeah. brother, sister, parents, and then you get right back into it, and it probably uh, helps save your sanity and keep your mind off the problems. I'm guessing. Oh yeah, absolutely. And on my toes, yeah. And on your toe, no on your feet. You <laughs> well, know, on, honestly, Larry, I, I could tell you, I'm I'm uh, I'm 58 years old, and I've had several friends that have retired, and I've um, I've lost six friends in four years who were absolutely healthy, who retired and went home and sat on the couch and watched Jeopardy and died in six months and i think if you're not active if you're not uh sure. if you don't have a reason to get up in the morning that people kind of just give up and you know when when i'm having a bad day and stuff if i go down to my fish room and spend a couple hours down there uh i come back a different person oh absolutely mainly because that's where he he keeps his drugs like <laughs> but uh, and, and tequila and tequila yeah <laughs> Uh, well, Larry, uh, th- I think like there's a fair moment we can take in the podcast since we have so many listeners. If there's a species you're looking for, you know, this is your time to tell the audience. They will, they will help. We have a very generous community that will that will find your species for you. Oh, yeah. Um, I actually have the. Um, I guess you could say the the one of the best finding of. I guess anybody in the world. Um, right now, I'm working on Kalitawa. I've got a buddy that's already got them. Now the cat's got to join in. <laughs> um, and so I had Fry, and then we had one of the big ma- major storms, and power went out, and all the Fry, I lost all the Kalitawa babies. Speaking of babies, you're being spoiled. <laughs> that is a gorgeous fish. It's spelled K A L I T A W A. It's uh, pretty darn breathtaking. Uh, I've seen them uh, only once before. They have white uh, top and upper fins, and I believe their their back fin. I'm looking at a picture here is orange. I saw it where it was more red, but again, I probably got it on water change day. Yeah, yeah. They're usually they're more a little bit more red. Um, uh, The buddy of mine. (laughs) <laughs> see if I can get my cat out of the way. He's being persistent. <laughs> the dog got a bone. The cat, <laughs> cat won't go for that. <laughs> You're just the the popular guy this evening. Larry's got got the animals crawling all over. For those of you who are are listening rather than watching and stuff, Larry is sitting at home in his comfy chair and his pets are just all over him. I'm just waiting for like a chichilla to jump on his. I'm waiting for like lap. yeah, an ostrich to walk by or something cool. <laughs> Got the shrimp right next to me. They should be crawling in my lap here pretty soon. There you go. <laughs> oh, funny. Well, let's go over but some yeah, some I, of the, the basics for rainbow fish, because uh, we we're, we're trying to adapt to both uh, beginners and advanced aquarists. So when you're trying to do these, uh, um, I look call large and nano rainbow fish. Uh, you just spoke about the Kalitawa. That's what I would consider the large body style. And then we have the, you know, the blue eyes, nano type of rainbow fish. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's talk about the large style. What are some of the requirements that you would have to, to maintain them? Heat, what you recommend for food, etc. 
you know, the, the nice thing about rainbows is they're very forgiving. So, yes, you can... Uh, there's a wide range of foods, there's a wide range of pH, temperature, etc., etc. Um, they're very forgiving. So, a good one to start in, in my book, my water's pretty hard, and they spawn for me regular. My poor cat just will not leave me alone. <laughs> we, we can hear the motor in the <laughs> microphone. Yeah, I'll bet. Um, so, yeah, your, your common ones that you can get in the stores are really, really good. They are very tolerant. Uh, you do want, you do need to do water changes, normal as normal. <coughs> they uh, uh, aren't, aren't going to be too finicky as far as your pH temperatures. Uh, even uh, the Ornatus, now he's pushing the buttons so my seat's moving. <laughs> uh, the <laughs> Ornatus, I'm going to be keeping some of them out in uh, the summer. But there's some people, if their weather's not too freezing cold, they'll keep them out all year round. Uh, I don't know if I'd really recommend that much, but people are doing it. Uh, we hit freezing maybe uh, three or four times a year, and yeah, I think that's just too cold, but they, they tend to do pretty good. So they're good good species to work with. Your larger ones you're going to find in stores of Bosmanis, your Locustris, also known as um, your Turquoise. Um, those are your larger ones. As a matter of fact, I've got one that's roughly six inches long. He's about well, maybe six years old, seven years old now. Uh, very large, but of course he gets fed a lot of uh, brine, frozen brine and blood worms and then flakes. So there's... Uh, when they're when they hatch, they're actually one of the smallest fry, very small. So if foods for that, green water is great. You can do the golden pearls 5-50. Uh, that's one of my favorites that I use. Uh, green water is great. You said golden As pearl. I'm gonna stop you there and ask some questions. Yeah, powdered food is golden it? pearls. <clears throat> yeah, it's a real super fine powder. It's 5-50, meaning 5 micron to 50 micron. Uh, it's perfect for feeding them. You just sprinkle it across the top. Rainbows feed at the top. For the most part, they will go down, but they mainly feed at the top. Uh, I've got some fry. You wouldn't even be able to see them on the camera. They're so small. Uh, but the golden pearls from there in a couple weeks, maybe three weeks if they're fed, maybe three times a day, four times preferable. And you get them into the the live baby brine shrimp. That's great for for the the nutrition's and of course as fresh hatch as possible. Um, they'll grow fast. Water changes always helps. Um, from there, you can get into bug bites. They're wonderful in the wild. There's going to be nothing but bugs that are getting into the water, and that's one of their favorite foods. They, they'll eat just about anything. They're not too finicky. They're, they're just a good round uh, fish, which makes you wonder, well, why aren't they more common in their trade? The biggest reason I feel is they're such slow growers, and it, it's just, it takes forever. So, yeah, they'd, they'd need more money to sell them, of course, because it takes so much longer to, to raise. And Bosmanis are, are one of the, the longest ones to grow so they they take forever 
Uh, Preycocks are not so bad, and they're your mid-sized ones. Getting them into spawning mode, uh, a good food is your bloodworms, tubifex, which is what used to be, now it's blackworm. Um, so blackworms are great. Good water changes, maybe 20% uh, daily for about three days. They are, they're ready to spawn any, any time, but that really gets them going good. You get a lot better eggs and better quality eggs and um, less fungusing more fry so if you want to fill a tank up with some babies that's that's a good way to do it so in the breeding uh, realm what, what do you use to breed with uh, I've used breeding mops is there a special type that you use or do you use something else in the tank um, they say you if you've got a lot of planted tank and you're gonna want to breed a specific species and uh, so you put that species into the tank let them just play around if there's plants then good maybe uh, seven days pull the parents out put them in another tank where where they've laid eggs on the plants they just start hatching all over the place or using mops is everybody's favorite is to take the acrylic yarn wrap it around the book about a hundred times um, snip the one end and put the styrofoam so it'll hang off of the top it looks like a regular house mop and you can hang that, let it float around in a tank, and they'll just get in there, and it, it's it's just a show. The the forehead, the stripe. There's a stripe that comes down their forehead. That depending on which one, it could be from powder blue to yellow and gold and all sorts of different colors when they're they're in that spawning mode. It's just gorgeous to watch. So is it just spawning that controls the colors? Uh, down the forehead, yes, that's when they light it up. They will light up. Uh, it seems when I have uh, rainbow fish in the past, I have done water changes, and immediately as I do a water change, they just brighten up. Is that because they're already getting into spawning mode due to my water change? Or <coughs> is it just because Robbie's so handsome? They love water changes. They get excited, and they'll start sparring and, and challenging and race car driving themselves around the tank, and and then of course they you know run into something and get their lip going and it's like yeah speed limit signs would be good in a tank yeah of course we can't do that <laughs> but uh it's the water changes get them excited very excited they'll come up and a lot of times just do a dance for you especially when they're hungry so a lot of people <laughs> ask us uh when we're talking about breeding a lot of people are always in their mind or thinking about how can I how can I do this? How can I make a little bit of money doing it? How, how many on average do they have, and how often do they spawn? Um, they will spawn daily. What? If you've got good water quality and you're feeding them good quality food, and a lot of times I see them spawning most most of the day. Uh, if you get into the parva, they're going to be colored up and really going at it mainly in the mornings and. You can, if you want to see a show, and it's like, okay, I've gotten home from work, but I want to see it, turn the light off. Give them about an hour, turn that light back on, and they'll color right back up just like it's morning. Uh, they'll spawn and give you a beautiful show, and then after a little bit, they'll calm back down again. They're that, morning fish. That's what morning, we call tricks of the trade back. right there, Jimmy. Yeah. That's what we're always looking for <laughs> yeah. is, is a little bit, I mean, spawning and stuff. When I was down in Florida and stuff, and they are talking about how... They're breeding garamis and stuff, and, and as soon as 
it starts getting daylight in the greenhouses and stuff, mm. and that's when they all get busy and stuff. After a good night's oh, sleep, yeah. everybody's feeling a little frisky. Yeah. So how many babies will they, or how many eggs will they lay per day? I mean, are they like I mean, chickens or what? Yeah, I usually have maybe two or three pair going at a time, and I can I can get in excess of 100. Uh, it just depends on how many I have. I, I'm going to guesstimate, I'm going to end up being wrong on that. Uh, <laughs> probably shouldn't say, uh, but it's going to be quite a few. It all depends on how many I, pairs I you have in. Good. Yeah. I don't think he's yeah. counting if they're happening every day. It's like, oh, there's another batch. I'm not counting that. Just put it to yeah. the side. I can throw a mop in, and in a couple of days, pull the mop, and I can count probably 100, 150 eggs. So do you pull the mops in and put them in a different tank and let them hatch out there? Yeah, that's that's the way I do it. I do pull the mops and, and, and just dump it into another. Mm-hmm. How many spawns will you put in there? I mean, like... Let's say you've got a 20-gallon long or something, or wherever you're putting them. I don't know. But are you putting in, like, uh, Monday through Friday, are you putting that whole week's worth in one tank for that particular species? Yeah. And yeah, I use I use a 10-gallon. Sometimes I'll do a 5-gallon if there's not many uh, eggs on the mop. So I'll pull the mop out, wring it out. Eggs are pretty hard, so they're really easy to, to uh, see under a good light, and you can actually feel them between your fingers. Um, you don't have to worry so much about just uh, popping them. Of course, you don't want to pinch too hard. But you can wring the mop out above the water, grab the mop, bring it over to a light, and start thumbing through it, and you you can see the eggs. And if you've got a good batch going, yeah, I'll throw them in a 10-gallon and let them start hatching out up there on my top row. And if there's not so many, then I'll put them down in a, in a 5.5-gallon. Um, then I also have a uh, rack roughly 35 little tubs about a half gallon tubs I've got them uh, all on a system I can I can just pick the eggs off and drop them into those tubs and uh, let them hatch in there just depending on how many I do that a lot with the quarries how many fish do you keep together do you just do by the pair and let leave the pair alone or do you keep uh, a, 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 I don't know a, a gaggle of <laughs> rainbow <laughs> fish together gaggle? to breed yeah, um, it, it'll depend. There's times I'll have maybe a couple females to a male, and then there's other times that, uh, like my rads, I've got, shoot, there's probably probably 20 in there. I just let them have at it, and then I just pull the mop. Mop's on the bottom right now, so I need to get it hanging again. So what is the magic temperature you're keeping everybody at? Oh, these guys love it, about 78, uh, 80. Now, and now what I do with mine in the house, I, I rely a lot on the house heater. We keep the house fairly warm. But in the fish room, I actually have uh, uh, a dehumidifier. That dehumidifier keeps the temperature usually reads 78 to 80 in the air. So I'm 74, maybe uh, 76, 78. Uh, but, yeah, figure going to say average 76 78 throughout the year so you're, you're not using any heaters in the tanks per se you're using a dehumidifier to keep the room nice and warm that correct and that and that's i mean dehumidifiers are not cheap to run but they're still cheaper to run than 60 heaters any day of the week oh absolutely and to heat the room is great <laughs> and the other nice thing about that too is 
with a dehumidifier, you don't have to worry about the mold on the walls. I mean, I, I keep my humidity down, I mean, it's sitting about 50, 55. So it's really good. Yeah, we, we have humidity here in Minnesota uh, two days a week a year. No, no. In the summer, oh, it's, it's awful. <laughs> in the summer, it's yeah. like, was it 95, 98% humidity? You're mi- you might as well swim. Swim it's across awful. the parking lot, yeah. When you have oh, 18,000 yeah. lakes, uh, when they're all fresh, they're just going to evaporate in your face. <laughs> Go to Arizona <laughs> if you want that dry heat. Yeah. What? Oh, yeah. I, we I ha- lived in Minnesota for three years. There, you know, there... Their uh, uh, bird, state bird, is the mosquito. That's right. <laughs> I I thought I hey can can you say ufta for us because I know I know you you probably say ufta a lot. Ufta. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's your kink. Yeah, there you. It's, it's it's Minnesota. <laughs> Just ask Jimmy to say sorry. Well, you know, ufta. That's a good hot yeah, dish. Yeah. That's a good hot dish. Ufta. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. Uh, it's hard getting used to saying you want a pop instead of a soda. Yeah. You know, when I was down in Florida, and I asked him where the pop was, and he looked at me and go, are you talking about soda? I go, yes. And what was funny is that <laughs> up here in Minnesota, Mountain Dew is a huge, probably one of the biggest sellers up here. And when I got down to Florida last time and stuff, and I asked for Mountain Dew, and I finally found it on the bottom shelf next to Tab. And it's just not a big thing down there, as is Tab. Oh, yeah. Now a couple of the harder questions for you, Larry. You ready? Sure. So a lot of the debates you find online uh, with rainbow fish are people want to keep them in high tannins. Some people want everything crystal clear and uh, not want anything. What, what do you recommend in a tank? Do you want a lot of those botanicals in there? You know, I don't do them. Uh, I, I'll, I'll have my uh, logs and, and whatnot in, in other tanks with other fish. They're good to have, yes, because they, they do help keep fungus off of the the uh, the eggs they're great for that when breeding is so much different than keeping them in, in a home aquaria so yeah tannins in a, in a home aquaria is probably pretty pretty good idea for keeping uh, a lot of your funguses down if if you're gonna do any kind of breeding at home but being a breeder I'm not so worried about the the tannins coming uh, from um, all the logs and what I'll use methylene blue, and of course I I use that in a in a light form. I won't use it heavy, but I'll use it light. I also um, do hydrogen peroxide to help work with the eggs. I also use stage water. Uh, I'll age it overnight. Uh, I got a 120 gallon tank that I use for water changes for the sensitive, so I'm not pulling it from the tap. But I've got a four foot. Uh, charcoal filter for coming into the house and it, it treats the whole house so I use that to keep the 120 filled and uh, then I pull that water for eggs and fry and whatnot and I don't have to worry about because I've got chloramines coming in and of course the charcoal filter will take care of the chlorine but not the ammonia and of course I can go into some of the other uh, uh, specialized charcoals for that but the cost on it for me would be outrageous with the amount of water I change they just don't last that long so it's better to use a, a 120 gallon with a couple filters and the next day that thing's ready to to um, do water changes for the fish uh, are rainbow fish per- uh, particularly jumpy do we need to worry about lids yes 
Yeah. <laughs> Eyes kind of light up on that one. Yes, absolutely. You should always have lids on. Um, yeah, I'm bad about not having lids on a lot of mine. And yeah, I get I get chewed out and told about it all the time. And yeah, sometimes I will pick up a crispy critter off the floor. Um, they are jumpers. Yes, they're gonna be like killifish. They're gonna they're gonna jump. Uh, so yeah, keep the water a little bit lower. I keep my waters low in most all my tanks. Not real low, just a little bit low. It helps keep it from happening. Um, and then I'm always checking on them anyway too. Um, and you can't catch every single one, but I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna say on my average, uh, I'll get a jumper uh, once every three or four months. So it's just not, it, I mean, for me it's not that bad, but I, I'm not keeping all the tanks up to the top either. So I also work on not startling them. And your biggest time startling is stomping through a house and, and coming up on them too fast. So I, I'm always keeping that down to a very minimum. Also, uh, for like nighttime, when the lights first kick on, they're going to get startled or shutting off even. So I've got a nightlight. The, the main light in the center stays on 24-7 and that way when I shut the other lights off those stay on and I notice that I just I hardly ever would get a jumper it's usually the fry the adults are usually kind of like okay dad I know what you're doing yeah but yes it, you should have lids on them absolutely what we've been doing at the fish store is uh, Derek and Dan have been uh, saving all of the uh, crispy critters that hit the floor if they ever do in a uh, collection in the back of the uh, store for us and uh, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna ship out was it you said in resin or something Dan I try and preserve some of them try and preserve some of them and then uh, ship them out as patreon gifts <laughs> have some fun you know back back a long time ago when you're able to Larry you'll remember this <laughs> you Larry guys will remember Larry you remember <laughs> when you could go on in the back of magazines and buy seahorses from Coral Gables Florida you remember that oh yeah <laughs> Sea monkeys. No, I'm talking seahorses, <laughs> miniature dwarf seahorses. Do you remember those? Yeah. You, oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, because the sea monkeys were basically, they give you some brine shrimp until you <laughs> entertain yourself, basically. But yeah. um, we, that, when a seahorse would die, I would take those and just lay them out and get them positioned like a seahorse would look and just let them dry out. And my mom would take a uh, clear nail polish, and she would make the coolest shadow boxes with uh, it was a beautiful mm. shadow box with you know three or four seahorses in there and stuff because we had a lot of seahorses we had probably had 40 or 50 but you'd lose one here and there and she'd make these beautiful mm. shadow boxes and she'd put in some fake plants and stuff in there and she would uh, she would just ha hang them on the wall so wow I, I just uh, there's a lot of way to, to uh, create something beautiful out of something dead right no yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm for it yeah we had a, a wholesaler down um, in San Mateo back when I had my store, and they would get in some of the craziest seahorses. And half the time they're have popping babies out left and right, and of course they would hold on to them and try to raise them. But back then it was all right, the salt water wasn't as good as it is today. But um, they would get some crazy looking seahorses. I mean, you, you'd look at them and go, "That can't be," and then they'd start to move and. Man, it just looks like a plant. So they had every kind of seahorse. It was a huge saltwater wholesaler. He probably had 
oh, maybe 200, 250 of uh, the 150 gallon tanks on the side plexiglass just open at the top and he allowed us just to go in and, and literally grab the anemones and net out whatever we wanted all on our own and just bring the buckets up and pay for it and go that was something else but oh yeah those seahorses then were great but yeah I, I remember that back in the day and being able to get those little seahorses yeah mine for some reason I never could keep them alive it would always die out of me so yeah I'd curl that tail <laughs> I remember that that was great well back to the <laughs> uh, rainbow topic now do you want more open space so they can swim and do their thing or do you want to add hiding spots how would you escape uh, it correctly for, for rainbow fish so, the one thing about rainbows they like to spar and they do need space really recommended is a good four foot tank at least four foot long or wide uh, and of course the more surface area on them is going to be better they are swimmers so they like to just swim uh, it, the tighter they get and yeah they run into things and uh, it's just you'll notice their mouths will get messed up and whatnot uh, hiding places if, if your rainbows are happy and healthy they're not going to be they're not going to be hiding they'll be out uh, if you get a lot of sparring going on, if, if you get an aggressive one, then yeah, hiding places like putting a, uh, you disrupt their, their point of view, uh, sight, so they can, one can actually run behind something, like you would do with some of the other cichlids. Give them a place to run and hide, hang out for a little bit. So how is yes, aggression sir. in the tank? I've always had these as extremely peaceful fish. I haven't had too much of a problem, um, except they seem mm -hmm. to just you know interact with each other. What seems to be aggressive in my tanks, in my experience, is just them not really committing to it. They'll they'll flare, they'll chase, but I've never seen nip fins with each other. What, what what's your experience? Uh, it's absolutely the same thing. They they like to spar. It's almost kind of like. Yeah, I want to show off my muscles. Oh, yeah, I'll show my muscles. <laughs> you know, back and forth. Um, and they, they like to spar. It's One wants to say they're the big boy of the tank, and but yet, no, they, they generally don't hurt each other. It's, it is pretty uncommon for them to hurt each other doing that. They, they have so much energy, they've got to relate, release it somehow. And I think that's uh, how a lot of their sparring is going and looking for that the girl hiding over in the corner going okay <laughs> and then of course then get them into a mop and it's just a wonder to watch and even then there's not much aggression it's it's um all everybody join in and and, and have fun now quick question larry adam has always had this story about raising cichlids with a power head because it's like a mm -hmm. treadmill have you ever used power head with rainbows to to uh give them a little current to fight against um, no, I don't. Some people will. I don't. And usually they're not in fast-running streams. Not always. Uh, so there's going to be a couple variety that are. But there's, generally, they're more slower moving. Bubbles, aeration is great. Um, if you do have the uh, higher flow with, say, a canister filter, it's great to have the holes going across and equal it out and keep the water moving, of course. You don't want any stagnant areas, but uh, they're not really so much into the uh, the high current. And there are people that I know of in in our group that definitely do keep them in the higher current, and they 
they seem to be fine. But uh, it, it, where they come from in a while, generally, they're, they're not so much in, in higher flow. Adam, what was the thought process on that for your cichlids? So the thought process is, is that, um, and this is what I was told by an old-time breeder. He said that African cichlids that are lake cichlids, so because they're a lake cichlid, the water changes don't, don't really matter, um, but the powerheads do. And they grew faster. So I had always thrown a bigger pump. I, I put a, in a 20-gallon long, whenever I'd get lo little cichlids, um, I would throw in a... You remember the Marineland 280s? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, I, and, I'd, and they, they'd get knocked around and they'd find a corner for, you know, to, for like a day or so. But they did grow faster um, than the other fit, than they would if you kept them in like a... a <laughs> the 20 gallon with just air on them. They were one of the few tanks that I always had a had a back filter on just simply because of the current. And th and that's the only fish that it seems to really work with is African lake cichlids. Um, everything else that I've seen, it's water changes. So I don't know if there's been a study on that, but. Um, I, I can give you my, my thoughts on it. Realistically, yeah, yeah being in a lake, of course, yeah, your water does turn over, but there's not a big flow. I would assume your fish are getting larger because they're getting exercise all the time. I mean, go to the gym all day long and, and you're going to build up muscle. So yeah, you, you can you can end up growing with that. Not doing water changes, not being as important, um, to me it's really more of a scary thought than anything. They're going to be urinating, which is becomes acidic. You've got ammonia, uh, your nitrates. Of course, if you have plants, it'll help with the nitrates and ammonia. But then you you use RO water and try to top it off to keep your chemicals right. Now you're chasing pH to bring it up, keep it from from dumping on you. And of course, your Lake Tanganyika and Malawi and and Victoria are not going to be uh, acidic waters, so you're going to be chasing that pH to get it right. Uh, yeah, sure, they can still be happy looking and whatnot, but think about every time you do RO to top it off, I, there's another guy um, in San Francisco area, I believe it is, that has a store that he says, oh, I haven't done water changes in 25 years, I only top off, but yet he's always got new fish going in and, and he's got to be able to do, he's got to do something in there. Any chemical that's going past the RO and the canister filter or charcoal filter and uh, getting into the tank is going to slowly build up. Sooner or later it's going to be toxic. I mean, anything that's good for you can all of a sudden become bad in in excess. So to get away with trying to do no water changes, I mean, what is in your water from the water supply company that gets past your RO? I mean, there's not much, of course, but some there's going to be a little bit getting past. And then what comes in from the air? Uh, dust particles. I mean, we live near farmlands, so there's dust always in the house. That gets into the tank, and if I only top it off sooner or later, there's a big layer of whatever was in the air. Uh, if the wife uses hairspray or, or something like that, that's in the air, it gets into the tank, it builds up, it gets into the bones. See, this uh, is... I mean, 
This is how you can tell right. Larry is a diehard rainbow guy. Because uh, they are Because so, he hates cichlids. Because he hates cichlids, one. Uh, two, he's so adamant about water changes because no fish other than the rainbow fish is better for water changes because you get that instant uh, gratification of them immediately yes. coloring up, playing, and thanking you. Uh, that you don't get in any other species. So I, I've yet to see a true rainbow guy being like, yeah, I'm the low-maintenance uh, plant, no water change guy. That'll never happen with a rainbow guy. No. Okay, so it's my turn to tell you a story. Uh-oh, the wife wants to say something. Oh, so, come on in. Let's get the story in, Mrs. Shankel. Get her close to the microphone. He wanted a fish tank, and so in his fish tank, he had all cichlids. And I would go to the fish store with him, and every time I would point at the angels and the rainbow and mostly the angels and i says can this go with our fish no they'll eat them so two weeks later same question over and over again so after he finally decided to get me my own tank he got me uh, some angel fish and then he says you see that fish and i says yeah it's still ugly right he's you take that home and it'll turn blue and that's how we got started with the rainbows we took that thing home and it turned blue Wow! I got you. That—that's the secret right there. Yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I—I I, I don't, I don't think I would ever want to do the not do water changes. You—you got build up that it's going to be hard, especially if you're feel, feeding them up heavy and and wanting to breed uh, older aged water with build up of nitrates. That, it's going to be hard to get enough plants to get rid of that much nitrates. Now, now, Larry, when you're doing your water changes, are you've got number of tanks? How many did you say you had over a hundred? I got a hundred running. Yeah. Now, are are you just running around with a hose like every other fool, or did have you gone ahead and plumbed everything now so you can do changes? I guess I had to say yes to both because it's both. Um, I have a few of them on automatic water change. And then uh, a few others, yeah, I'm dragging, most of them, I'm dragging the hose out. What, what do you prefer? I also want to get, um, it's, I, I like doing the hose only because, yeah, I use the pythons. Um, I, I can get the gravel vacuum going better. Where the automatic water changes, I can't. And the amount of food I put in, I, I need to be able to gravel vac a lot. And I, I, can, I can never keep up on it. So I'm always trying to gravel back, let the tank fill up on its own, or just go ahead and fill it back up myself. And I can keep an eye on it that way, too. And sometimes when I'm doing the automatic, depending on <clears throat> if we're getting rain, uh, they throw more chemicals in. And I, I've got a few tanks that just right out of the blue, after doing a water change, all of a sudden it turns purple. I'm thinking, oh, potassium permanganate? Maybe it's... Uh, um, some other uh, iron type uh, oh, bacterial whatever that's turning it purple. I think there's one out there uh, for that I heard from uh, one of our other uh, admins on, on the rainbow group. Uh, so it's kind of weird. They just throw in chemicals from time to time and where did it come from? So I want to be able to watch what's happening. Uh, it's, it's just easier. So by having but, having that large 125 gallon tank for your water changes, you, you know exactly what you're putting in your tanks. Yeah. Now, absolutely. When I had when I had my uh, warehouse and stuff, I had a 300 gallon vat, and I put mine 
as high as I could in the ceiling, I built about a six foot um, little water tower, I called it. And um, I was mm. able just to go ahead and, and fill that darn thing. And it being next to the ceiling uh, was self-heating, basically, because, of course, it's always warmer up on top. Um, mm. And then it acts as a water tower. You don't really have to have any water pressure, so you don't have to have it hooked up all that that uh, sophisticated. Now, is that what you do? Mm. Do you just have a, a, a hose that comes out of your 125, or are you using a python, or what are you doing? I'm actually running a, a power head. Okay. And so I got the hose hooked onto that. Yeah. My tank's actually down lower. Okay. And I also have spixy snails in there that I, I keep and breed. What kind of so, snails? Spixy snails, S-P-I-X-I. -I. They're actually one of the one of the members of the uh, mystery snail. Okay. Apple snail. Yeah, them. <laughs> they're not Malaysian trumpet snails. Yeah, there you go. Oh, uh, the, the no, Spixie I don't like snail. The I've got tanks of them. <laughs> yeah, the Spixie snail is commonly known as the zebra apple snail. That's what we we know them as, Jimmy. Oh, oh okay. okay. That's what you call them back there. Okay. Yeah, That's... they're they're either yeah, like a cream color funny. or yellow. Yeah, yeah uh, I've got my. Oh, mine are actually covered in algae, but yeah, there's about four or five hundred in there. <laughs> And, and what do you keep those for? Do you keep them because you love them? you keep them because they help with the, the water? Um, I'm, I'm also in a couple of aquarium clubs, so I, I take them for auctions and stuff. Okay. And then other people come by, and they like to go through the fish room, and and they'll pick up some. So they're just neat to keep and sell off. And if I get too many of them, then the next trip to the wholesaler, I'll, I'll bag up about 100 of them and take them in. The... Uh Robbie, yeah, Adam, and I have a uh, what do you call that? Or, or we share stories and stuff. And now we're seeing like the, uh, the apple snails are up in the Wisconsin, yeah, the, in the waterways yeah. and stuff. We just somebody shared that the other day, and it's uh, not this variety apple snail, but yes, it's the the traditional malicious apple, apple snails. Yes, and they're actually in the state of Wisconsin. They're paying people to go out and find the snail eggs and destroy. I thought it was Arizona. That was oh, in Wisconsin yeah. too. If you read the yeah, whole article. Uh, knock off the eggs into the water and let them die. Yeah, because they just drowned. Wow. Yeah. Because yeah. most, that's, most that's... mystery snails and, and apple snails lay right above the water line. They have to breathe. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they'll take over. They're they're bad pest. But you, you don't want to touch them with your hands because they're they're toxic. The, the spixies or the apples? Uh, the eggs. The apples are in their intestines, so they are edible. But you'd have to clean the intestines out the the whole track. You got to be sure. Disgusting. But uh, yeah, but that's a big dinner, <laughs> right? But yeah, the eggs have uh, a, a toxin on them, a light toxin from what I've read or heard. So yeah, you, you don't want to actually touch the eggs, but knock them off and let them go into the water. And well, that that explains a couple of things that I've done wrong in the past. Yeah, because Robbie usually licks them for a while. <laughs> yeah, I mean, don't you? Oh. Robbie also runs the microwave with the door open a lot. Snail eggs and toads. Those are the two things you lick. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't let them lick them. <laughs> well, back to the rainbow subject. What do you recommend for tank mates, and what shouldn't you not have for tank mates? Well, your, your aggressive uh, cichlids, are, of course, are, are a big no-no. Um, a lot of people have issues with them with uh, angels. We've got them in with angels, uh, no problems. Um, 
they're they're really some people will use them as a dither fish and then of course other people will say well you need a dither for the rainbows I've yet to see that they they come out and they, they just beg so yeah tank mates they're fast you gotta it's almost like having Indy 500 in a tank they, they're just constantly running so it, barbs of course you can get some of the barbs that are gonna be sneaking up on them but generally rainbows are always moving around and they, they generally stay away you're always gonna find the the say uh, angels that they want to pair up they're gonna get really nasty they're gonna fight everything same thing with all of your other cichlids um, and even some of your other barbs but neon or tetras anything that can fit in their mouth will it'll end up going in there the big problem with rainbows is they have a small throat it's smaller than their mouth so if they do eat something, pellets are a big one, uh, it can get stuck, and it happens a lot of times. And it's almost like, okay, what do you do? It's not like you can uh, you know, pick them up, squeeze them, and hope that it pops out, but uh, I'm sure it's happened. Some people have even gone as far as tweezers to try to get the pellet out. Hopefully in time it'll, it'll go down. I've had a couple of them, and it'd take a couple, three days, and their mouth are just swollen, and... I mean, it's because there's a pellet stuck in there, and it should have gotten soft by then. But after about two or three days, and finally it got it, either got it down or spit it out. Yeah, Jimmy's rule if it lasts longer than four hours. You know, that's his thing. <laughs> yeah. It's got to yeah. get soft in four hours. Or <laughs> if it's not soft in four hours, then I call the doctor. <laughs> yes. And uh, check that out. You know, earlier you said, yeah. Larry, about bug bites. And I was turned on to bug bites a while back, a couple of years ago. And what mm -hmm. I find is that... Um, I was at a, a store out in North Dakota and they had all kinds of bug bites and she goes, they don't sell for crap. And I looked at them and she had all the bug bites she had were just absolutely huge. And I said, oh, yeah. and I'll said, I'll, I'll take them. You know, I said, you shoot me a price. And she goes, I'll give it to you for my cost just to get them off there. Cause she goes, they don't sell. And, um, mm. anyway, I, I bought them and I was talking to Robbie and Robbie said, you know what you need to do is just get yourself a pepper grinder. And so we got a pepper oh, grinder yeah. and just ground them up a little bit finer really and stuff. Did, yeah. And they're great, great food. Pepper grinder is probably oh, yeah. the most abused thing in my, yeah. my fish hobby. Absolutely. Well, you know, last year, I, I got teased really bad last year because we have a swimming pool, and all of a sudden, the, the mosquitoes came in, and the wife's like, come on, I need to get the pool ready, and I'm like, wait, I, I got some natural food here. Um, of course, at the club, I had to net out a gajillion mosquitoes and sell them off at the auction. I couldn't believe how well they went. A couple of people are like... You know, you're, you're just breeding those things for the neighborhood. I mean, the only thing I could say was, you know, they're breeding in the pool, and I'm netting them out. I'm keeping them out of the neighborhood. <laughs> At least I'm getting the mosquitoes that would have bit you over here, and then they go under the fish's mouth. <laughs> it was kind of funny, but, yeah, some people kind of got upset about it. Other people are like, I need more. Let me know when you've got them. Yeah, in the summer around here, we've got every little pool's got mosquito larvae and stuff. And and if, if you can find a good pool that's been away from an agricultural area and you know it's clear of sprays and whatnot mm -hmm. and stuff, a lot of people go out and collect that stuff. But, uh, you know, I, the, last, the last time I did that, I, I put them in a plastic bucket and kind of forgot about them. Uh, then you're sitting here swatting yourself yeah, they start the hatching the night. My wife goes, what the where are all the mosquitoes? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd run around the, the pool with a net. And I'd put them in a bag and Ziploc it, 
put it up in the freezer, and I had bags in the freezer. It was great. Yeah, I I, I, it's getting ready to go again this year. Good deal. So, can I share a story with you, Larry? Sure. Uh, years back, I got really big into rainbow fish. I tried to do uh, got to catch them all uh, mentality mm -hmm. because I found out that there really isn't many rainbow fish or any that I found that can't go with each other. So I set up a big 75-gallon right. aquarium, and I start. I just have just the rainbow tank. In fact, I still have the old sign. You can probably see it. I'll hold it up here. It says Rainbow Road. You know these old-fashioned uh, painted signs. I had mm -hmm. this one specially made. It was absolutely one of my favorite tanks I've ever done. I got Kamaka rainbows, dwarf neon rainbows, Bosmani, uh, millennium mm -hmm. rainbows, which I thought were fake for the longest time. I thought they were like a modified mm -hmm. fish. Didn't know that that was actually a real color. He has some yellow too. I, oh, yeah. You know, I had some. I had every variety I could possibly get, and I wanted so badly to get one of these new species that Gary Lang uh, brought back in. At the time, it was the mm -hmm. Wapoga rainbow. Not the red laser. It was oh. just the, the traditional Wapoga. And yeah. I, I, I wanted it more than life itself. So I scoured the internet because, again, they were brand new. And from my understanding, and you can correct me on this, Gary Lang, when he has a new species, he doesn't just, uh, you know, uh, proliferate and spread across, uh, you know, um, farmers in Florida. He instead goes to people like yourself and mm -hmm. says, hey, I have these cool species. I'm going to give you some. Can you help move this through aquarium clubs in the trade? Uh, so... For me, not being in an area where there's aquarium clubs or anything, it was much more <laughs> inclusive and painful to get a hold of some of these species. So I ended up driving six hours one way, paying a guy hundreds of dollars for four Wapoga rainbows. Uh, and that wow. was where the passion really kicked off. Uh, absolutely, to this day, still one of my favorite fish. Uh, they went from one... Uh, color to a completely separate it's like Bob Ross just spilled paint across them every time I changed the water mm. and forevermore yeah. it was it was just locked down and that was the coolest rainbow ever uh, I Jimmy taught me at that time that I shouldn't be naming my fish because that will be the one that dies uh, but oh, yeah I had that their favorite yeah, I had that tank for a while, and it was it was wonderful. Now, is there any uh, species that you've uh, come across that's been, you know, you mentioned before, new to the hobby? Uh, what's your experiences with those? Some, I, I get some uh, rainbows from time to time from uh, either Gary Lang or I'll get them as eggs. Uh, when he comes up to... Uh, uh, the the club he'll he'll auction them off. Another good place is to find uh, the on Aquabid find out the sellers which ones are. It's hard to determine, but there's there's good sellers and then there's some that could be bad. Um, of course, I can't just say, uh, but there are known good sellers on there, and you'll find some of those rare ones and the ones you're looking for. Uh, uh, you could end up paying a good premium for them, but a lot of the the, the way that I'm um, assuming the way Gary I, I put it that way that Gary works, and I understand and get it. He has like uh, an umbrella of people that he will get eggs to and fish, 
um, and then, like you were saying, works with those people, um, and they get the fish up and work with the rest of the people. Gary's busy. He is, everybody's bugging him all the time. And of course, he, he just doesn't have time for, for everyone. So I think it's good what he does with, with trying to get specific people. And he, basically, I call it an umbrella. And work with them the most, get the eggs out or the fish out to them, let them work with the, the bigger crowd. So what species have you had that you've uh, received from either Gary Lang or, or someone else that's, uh, quote-unquote, you know, new or rare to the hobby? Um, you know, the best one that I, I had gotten was the Melanotania Gary Langi. <laughs> the one named after him. <laughs> but I, I've gotten many species from him. Taken out of the uh, book of Axelrod Eye? <laughs> yeah, I've got, I got a Herbert Axelrod Eyes out here. They, the stores call them yellow. It's kind of like, no, they're Herbert. I mean, if you want to call them Herbie, that'd be even better than saying yellow. Herbert Axelrod Eye. Um, the Jerry Allen strain is the one that I've got through through Gary. Uh, I, I've gotten quite a few eggs from, from Gary and then others um, as fish. But shoot, yeah, that's, the, that's one of the best ways to do it. And yeah, the Gary Lang Eye is... Uh, the one I was really pushing him to get, and he's like, "I think I got some." And he sent them to me. I was like, "Yes, <laughs> awesome." Well, uh, we have some other questions uh, that have been mentioned. Uh, cr- uh, for instance, crossing species. Um, hmm. Will some of these larger rainbow fish species actually hybridize with each other? Absolutely, and you'll find them in the in the trade uh, more often than not. Uh, it's um, you, you don't really want to put a finger on it, but you know, I mean, farming fish a lot of times that's where they that's really where they're coming from. Uh, a fish jumps out, they they find it on the floor. It's like, oh, I don't know what tank it came out of, and throw it back in, and then they breed, and now you got cross. Um, other accidents can happen. Uh, the biggest thing when when that happens for for the breeder to man up to it and and just hey i think i had a cross i'm 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 giving these away or or putting them down um i can't just let them out i i i don't believe in that part so that they need to be kept to get separate so that that, that doesn't happen it, it can happen so frequent and it does and it, it makes it really tough. A lot of times in our forum, there's somebody, hey, can somebody help me identify this fish? You see that more than anything. It's kind of like, yeah, it's a hybrid. I mean, and no, we're not saying hybrid between electric and gas. So this is uh, two different rainbows coming together. Um, I suddenly want not... to see a millennial rain, uh, millennium rainbow cross with something else, just to see what goofy albino... Uh, strain you're gonna get. I mean, it's gotta ha- yeah. it's gotta happen in the wild, right? I mean, uh, well, I mean, if you're a fish and and you your fish really think about it, you're a fish. You don't own a mirror. You don't know what you look like. You just know what looks hot. And so you're just chasing the other rainbow fish, and you have no idea if you're a yellow rain fish. I mean, take Jimmy. Or he's a he's a white boy that just loves some senoritas. You know what I'm saying? What? No. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Well, um, kind of a quick story then. Uh, there's in the Running River, there was a one of the rainbows that was in there. And they were doing just great. They've gone for the DNA. They know what they're supposed to be. Um, next thing you know, that there were other rainbows that somehow got in there. So they they started pulling rainbows and then checking the DNA. Once they found some that were pure, then they got them out to breeders. And got the breeders to breed them. And these people worked their tails off and on on very little money and yet they they managed to get people to get these done and along with them and re them back in uh into the wild oh i think if i remember correctly about a mile away into another river where they didn't know that, where there would be possibly other rainbows and they thrived they did really good they went back the next year it was getting better than I don't remember if it, how many years I, uh, from the the initial all of a sudden they found some other rainbows that had come downstream and got mixed in so if you can get the running river uh, I'd gotten a mop of them they were cooked I managed to get one that, that hatched but they they got overheated in the mail and so I mean that was sad so I ended up with one male at him for a while but uh, yeah, they're they're going they're going to be extinct in the wild before you know it. Well, there's a question actually. Uh, you've mentioned you received a mop. You got eggs in the mail. Uh, this is such <laughs> so foreign to me. Unless you're doing killifish, like you dry them out, you can keep them in a baggie for X amount of time. Uh, what in the world are you doing with rainbow fish eggs that you can ship them? Uh, and and how do you ship them? Yeah, tell us more about this whole process. This is completely <laughs> foreign to me. Uh, the best way, easiest way, is you know you pull your mop, you look for the eggs, and oh yeah, I got a bunch of eggs. You can snip the, the strands off, or just ship the whole mop. And basically, you you want to put just enough uh, moisture in there. The mop is wet. You, you don't really want the really? the bag to be filled with water. And just bag it up like you would a, a make it moist. Uh, yeah, and, and you know, you could rinse them off first uh, in in some good tap water, and not worry about the chlorine and ammonia. Um, I mean, I would worry about the ammonia, but the chlorine because that'll help keep the the fungus off as they're being shipped. And ship away uh, you don't want them to get it under maybe 60 65 degrees 65 is when it starts uh, getting bad so they're, they're that hardy that you just throw them in a ziploc baggie make sure they're moist and uh, ship away how long do yep. they they last how long does it take for them to hatch uh, usually 7 to 14 days is what it takes that's a long time honestly yep oh, I, I had a ball the one this one time I felt so silly I went up to be a speaker up in Oregon and I, I brought up uh, just bags. Uh, uh, the wife went up there with me uh, to help me out. And uh, bags of, of eggs to, to auction off. And it was like the day before the auction, I'm looking in the bags. And there was just enough water in there. And next thing I know, I see these things swimming around. And I'm like, oh, my God, we got to. Uh -oh. <laughs> Luckily, where I was at. Was Suddenly there's a flash breed. sale. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's another breeder, so I was dumping out live babies into different tanks and labeling tanks real quick. <laughs> so um, I still had plenty of them. That, shoot, there must have been, oh, maybe 
oh, up to a hundred fry or, or eggs per per uh, bag. So there was plenty of eggs. But I felt so funny. It was like, yeah, I don't think I'll do that again. I I got to make sure when I put those mops in, it's only like two or three days before <laughs> before leaving. Oh, jeez. Well, that's what you get. You played Barry White in your fish room way too early. All right? You got to do that the day before that, the show. Well, yeah. that's the problem. <laughs> you play Barry White for this group, and all the other groups hear it. Yeah. Well, Larry, I have a couple things uh, more to add here. Um, one of the uh, fans in Discord wants to know uh, your involvement in the 1987 video game Leisure Suit Larry. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I, what was it? Um, I was in the, the third generation of it. Um, oh, good. <laughs> really? You're not just BSing? No, I wasn't. <laughs> what, what was the third generation here? That was an 89. I have it pulled up. Leisure Suit Larry 3, Passionate Patty in the Pursuit of Pulsing Pectorals. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I, I, I never actually played the game, but I saw it everywhere. J so, Jimmy is very confused. So, so, so you did porn back in the 80s. No, that, no. That is exciting. Back, Let's talk about that. So 87, Leisure Suit Larry came out and it came out for computer, and then they actually brought it to the Atari. It was uh, quite the kickoff. It was the first uh, naughty game really published yeah. uh, uh, globally. So was Larry uh, part of that? Uh, that? That's what I'm saying. I'm pretty <laughs> sure that Larry in the game is named Larry Shankle. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, he can't talk about it because he's still getting royalties. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 yeah. <laughs> Wife doesn't know that. You're not supposed to say yeah, that. Yeah, we won't talk about it. royalties for me. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Mama needs a new dress. Mama needs a new one. Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, the other questions are uh, some of the, the nano species. So the, the blue eyes, like, for instance, Fricata rainbows, uh, are not really a true rainbow. But do you uh, do any work with, uh, with the nano species at all? Yeah, and legitly, actually, they are uh, a rainbow. They're just their genetics. Suck is... that taxonomist. I mean, yeah, they're, they're not true rainbow in the sense of the the larger species, in my opinion. But your opinion sucks. Yeah. My, you know, I I think my opinion <laughs> shared by others. Yeah, you suck. <laughs> but yeah, they they, I can see where yeah because they're they're more than nano, for sure. But they are actually. They, a true rainbow. The the Celebes is actually a little bit farther from uh, genetically than the Pseudomoogles, but um, they're they're awesome to to breed. Also, and they they breed some good sized eggs um, uh, compared to the other larger ones. And you got to watch them a little bit more. They they seem to have a, a time frame where it's like, uh, yeah, look, honey, it's 12 o'clock. Uh, yeah, isn't it about that time? Yeah, whatever time they want to choose during the day. So you've always got to check that mop, find out when they're breeding. Hey, Larry, how, how do you check the mop? Do you take a flashlight to it, or do you have great eyesight? Because, I mean, my eyesight's not getting any better the older I get. Oh, no. Pull the mop, uh, ring it out, and... Whoa, whoa, ring it out? Ring it out. Well, what about the eggs? <laughs> The eggs are um, are tough enough that you can you can ring them out. Wow. Yeah. So so wait, I have to ask this. <laughs> Adam's so got the questions. eggs. 
Well, no, no, no. This is important. It is. So most eggs are very are very delicate. Fragile. And if you so much as touch them, they with the, the abrasions from your skin, you know, your skin can mess them up. Can confirm. You're saying that you can literally pick these things up, swirl them around, and then they do not care. They don't get damaged, and they will hatch into perfectly viable babies. Um, absolutely. I I literally take them up right out of the water, and I I. You know, it's not a tight, tight ring, but yes, I ring out the water. When you ring the water out, you can see the eggs a lot better. And yes, you can literally pick the pick them up with your fingers and roll them around a little bit and feel how stiff the shells are. Like a booger. <laughs> no, it's more. <laughs> Dang. Like a big booger. Yeah. I would say they're a little bit hardier than, than quarry eggs. But very similar. I mean, you you can get quarries. Well, no, they are hardier than quarries because you can smash them pretty easy. I'd say they're a little bit a little bit stronger. So do you do you take the the time to take the eggs out of the mop, or you just dump the mop and throw in a fresh mop? Um, it depends on my mood. <laughs> if, if I'm wanting to go into the little tubs, then I'll pick them off the mop and and you know stare at them for a while until I'm getting ready to fall over or. If there's a lot of eggs, it's like okay, that whole mop just goes into a ten-gallon. How do you how do you pick them off? Literally with your fingers. Really, you, you are breaking all the rules of other fish keeping. If I have placo eggs, I have to use objects to touch them. If I touch them, it's over. <laughs> Robbie has to use objects to touch his wife. I do. It's <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> Never mind. We'll talk about this later. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're they're hardy. I'm surprised with you. You've kept rainbows in the past, so you haven't experienced that. I've had eggs, get... but I've never touched them. I treat them like all the other eggs. Like ignores them. I have to scoop them with water so they never get dry. I have to put them in a pickle jar, like Jimmy does his angelfish. You know, I, I gotta I gotta bubble <laughs> out of them. I gotta put a little methylene blue. No, I haven't done any of this. So I clearly have been doing it wrong. All I gotta do is flick, pick, and and roll. <laughs> Like yeah, you're on fire. Exactly. <laughs> click, flick, yeah. and roll. So, uh, can you take the mop and put it in like a, a quart of water and just kind of wiggle the mop, shake the mop? Will it fall out of there or not? Well, they are they a little bit Usually adhesive. Not. They're kind of are they, yeah, they? They have little. They're hairs. a little bit sticky. Okay, yeah, so they're, they're a little sticky. They'll, they'll stay in the mop. You, you do have to pick them out of the mop. It's not hard, and I'm sure if you give them a good enough shake, yeah, they're going to be coming out. Well, we know not to shake babies. Well, okay. All right. All right, Larry. I'm calling you out here. First, you say you can ring them out. Then you say, go ahead and just shake it. They'll fall out. I am super nervous on all of these instructions. Don't shake babies, Robbie. You've got one of your own now. Don't shake the baby. I'm saying if you shake it hard enough, yeah, I'm sure you can get a few fall out. Now, are you two talking about eggs, or what are you talking about? You shake it hard enough. Shake it twice. More than that, you're playing with it. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. This is, Larry, Larry went off the freaking rails. Quick, quick tangent. Quick tangent. I had my first child. She's now eighteen months old, right? But in the delivery room, it was a it was a clown fiesta, right? What? I, what? I get there. I'm eating pizza while she's like, going through the motion. Yeah. It, it was a complete. Uh, okay, so delivered baby, magical moment, whatever else. And then after we're like getting settled down after delivery and mommy's holding baby and the doctor comes back in. It's like, you know, there's no book written for parents, but if you got questions, I'm here to answer anything you got. Do you have anything that you have to want to ask right now? 
And I'm like, <sighs> I just raised my hand. And you she's said, like, yes. How, how can I? How can I help? What what questions do you have? And I'm like, well, how, you know, how often, and to what degree do I shake the baby? Is it really? is it more of a vigorous thing or? And of course, people in the room with us are laughing. The doctor not so very much. much is not laughing, uh, yeah. to the point that she punished me by forcing me like I was not able to take my baby home until I do a two-hour CBL <laughs> That's on funny. why we don't shake babies. <laughs> That's funny. You know, the question should have been... You deserve it. I apparently deserved it. The, the question that should have been is, is my baby's cute. Do you think I'm the father? That's what it should have been. Right? Right. It looks more like Jim. That's exactly right. <laughs> think about it. So speaking about babies... Oh, here's an expert on you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Fourscore. From my first one to my fourth one, there was a huge difference in the stuff that they did at the doctor. So, like, for my first one, they were like, oh, here you go, take him home, you know, do you have any questions, da 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 The fourth one, I had to, ta- to watch a one-hour video on postpartum depression and all the symptoms of it, and it was in multiple languages to make sure that I- before they would let me go home. They, they like, threatened to do that, but they gave me the shake sure baby one. Th- huh? They threatened to do that one on me, but they gave me the shake baby one instead. They thought that was more important. Well, that is probably more important for you. But yeah, yes. I was really impressed. And then, But I was like, this is our fourth one. I'm pretty sure I know what, what things look like. And they go, oh, yeah, you're fine, but we, you legally have to watch the video. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Great. So Larry should start. A little, yeah, how, how, a CBL. He should do a video out there on how to shake your eggs. How to shake your eggs. Yes, uh, or or hear hear me out, Larry. All right, hear me out. We should do a uh, you know first annual uh, mop throwing competition <laughs> and just take <laughs> yeah. moist mops and then try to stick them on a target. No, let's not do that. <laughs> we'll toss different different species back and forward. Yeah, and then, then we'll get the hybrids. That's yeah. Yeah, scrambled well, eggs. Yeah, so it's basically like a dog show. You first have your individual species, and then it's just, you know... Whatever came down the road. And then it's be- best to cross, you know. Hey, yeah. hey, hey Larry, uh, you're talking about your fish group, and, uh, you know, we're up here in, in no man's land, and we really don't... We're trying to trying to start one up here. But anyway, do you guys ever do, um, like, it's just rainbow eggs. What kind? It's this mystery. Do you guys just do like mystery bags of fish? Because I've done that with people. You're such. You know, we haven't. Yeah, we haven't done that, and I like that idea. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, we have a mega auction this weekend. Maybe I. Maybe we should do that. That would be great if you had some that you, people could buy the species, or for a discounted rate, they have a random chance right. of getting whatever. And you can, and you send them with a paper. It says one of these twelve species. <laughs> exactly. Uh, if you get this species, you know you won the scratch off ticket. That's right. If it's a zebra pleco, you won. You're right. No, that's. Oh, that'd be great. I'd be in. I'd buy like. I, see, I'd I buy would... five. Uh, five five mops worth you know uh, yeah i have a friend that is in, oh. in in one of these societies and stuff and they do bring in like uh baby fish and it's just a mystery mystery baby fish you don't know what it is i mean or they'll bring in a mystery eggs like the killifish people yeah but that's like a sump molly you know what i'm saying yeah yeah robbie has created a sump molly <laughs> i didn't create them jimmy they've been here all along anybody that has a sump and live bearers they have sump x sump guppies sump mollies uh, some sword tails. 
You find him in the That's sump. That's how I got the Gary Lang eyes. Yeah, see, you find him in the sump. That's right. Yep. That's, Gary says, "Oh, I think they're in the sump." And I'll check, and sure enough, he had plenty down there. Look, see, <laughs> he's funny. slinging sump rainbows. Sump rainbow. And, yeah. and and you know they're good swimmers because they didn't go through the sump. Clearly. So they're the good strong ones anyway. They're not the dumb ones that go through the shredder. Well, Larry, yeah. you got any you know special tips and tricks? Like, for instance, we had uh, we've had some people uh, on here that have really given us trade secrets. Um, we're we're not telling you to you know tell us your copywritten processes here, but there are some bits and details of knowledge that only people like you have. We we're trying to milk those out. I think one of the most recent was we had a. What was it? A um, a pistogramma uh, guy that told us that we have to keep nightlights on, otherwise they'll eat their babies. And we had uh, Jim the, Ke- the Pleco King, who talked about the right, correct caves that need to be able to breathe. Had to have a certain type of clay to get these special species to breed in captivity at all. Or do you just want to give us your first nine numbers of your social security number? That, that could work. Ah, yeah, let's see. <laughs> just the first nine. <laughs> um... For the people that really want to get a bunch of them going, the best way to do it is do that 20% water change at least, minimum, four days in a row. And while you're doing it, eat high protein, whether it's blood worms, the um, black worms, and blood worms are, you know, they're just a midge fly. The black worms, anything high protein. Stay away from the pellets that, you know, could be an issue. But uh, high-protein food, and you can you, you can get a mop loaded, I mean, literally loaded with eggs. I mean, hundreds. I, I, I've got a couple of tanks I did that with, and it's like, okay, I don't need that many fish. Um, a 55-gallon is not meant to hold 300 rainbows. <laughs> So yeah, that that would be about the best secret. Good quality foods, pull the color out. It, look for the rainbows. You're not going to find them in your LFS that often because you don't know where their supply is. Um, get them from known quality people up of Aquabid. Um, you will have pure stuff that will just bore you. Be amazed. No, I just want to. You had you said something that uh, brought up another question to me, Larry. You said about the high quality food, live blackworms. We can't find a live blackworm to save our soul. You're out in California where the live blackworms are produced. Can you can you give us any insight to what's happening? Because I have a lot of a lot of people asking about that. You know that that's been going on now for a couple of years. Uh, when it, the drought was happening down in Fresno, is the big main place where they're they're being done it's only like not even an hour from me um they they were getting too much drought too much heat and they couldn't keep up with supply and demand i was going from getting three and four pounds a month down to one pound a month now it's i'd be lucky to get a pound every two or three months um yeah probably just going to be a couple ounces at a time like the last couple times and can I so, can I ask what you're paying for that? Meth prices. Yeah, I mean, I'm just how how um, high are the prices like for a pound? I mean, I I, I buy wholesale, and I was, it used to be it wasn't that long ago. I was paying twelve, thirteen dollars a pound to have it shipped up yeah. to me. 
Yeah, um, the wholesale here is sitting about seventeen fifty right now. Okay. Because I, I purchase uh, my black room through Seagrass Farms, which get, and they and they're buying from that same guy, and they're yeah. telling me the same thing that with the drought, and then now the floods and stuff, and it just they can't keep up production. And yeah, it, they they put a pause on it for a couple of months, I think. Now I think is is there one or two farms out there? I've been told two different things. Um, I've been only told one in Fresno. That's all I've been told. Uh, California blackworm. Okay, and so there's one guy producing blackworms for the entire nation. Uh, to my knowledge, I'm going to say that I don't see how only one can have that much control. There's got to be more. Well, there's imports, but... Yeah, well, yeah, there's import. But uh, I only know of the one in Fresno, and I've always been told there's only the one. Okay. But I just don't see how, how we can only have one without also import. Yeah, we've we've had this conversation amongst ourselves numerous times in the last few months, and uh, I called my supplier because it was always I could buy a quarter pound, half pound, three quarter pound, pound, and uh, now they're saying if we can get a pound, we got twenty five, thirty people waiting. Pretty soon they're going to spread it out like a teenth at a time, like the drugs. Well, I'm just wondering how how do you produce blackworms? Maybe we should start this in your in your basement, Robbie. <laughs> I'm in. Um, I, I I can tell you it's. it's up, but I can tell you. Yeah, let's hear it. Um, basically, just get yourself a, a tank with some coarse, smaller. I I do. I would do the smaller gravel, uh, not fine, but the smaller gravel, medium to to small. Uh, and the variation's good, but more water flow, fresh water. Now, a lot of people. I've got a couple tanks that they, the worms just live in them, but you rake. Just grab a fork and break across the gravel, break them up. So the old tube effects would lay eggs and they could break up. Blackworms, they reproduce by breaking up. Uh, so just scrape across, let the gravel break them up. And just like earthworms, two pieces will become two. You, you break them and you get two worms. The more you often you do that, then the, the uh, you know, as long as you don't kill them by overdoing, but you do it maybe a couple, three times a week. Just go through it, and they'll, they'll double up. Uh, feeding for scrounges, for worms. A lot of people say, yeah, do do paper and the brown paper. I'm not too fond of the brown paper. I don't see much that they would get out of that. Um, and they definitely love pellets and uh, regular fish food. And, you know, you don't need the water up high. Low is good because they they actually can drown, um, not not really that often, but yeah, they can. They like to have a be able to reach up when they're reaching up out of the the gravel. They're breathing that way, so they can breathe under the water like that, and they do the water down low. But they want to be able to get out of the water. So they can breathe better. Water flow is best with water changes. Um, really, the and, and keep them cool. Keep them around the 60, 65 degree, uh, 70 degree. Of course, you know if the water's too warm, you end up getting um, a, a lot of other issues going. They they want it cool. Um, that's going to be about your best and good clean water. You don't want to. 
run water over it that's got a lot of ammonia or any really any ammonia. No, well, so they're going to be uh, they're you know they're dirty like goldfish, put up a lot of waste. So one quick question: Is there an easy way to harvest them rather than digging through the gravel with the tweezers and pulling them out? Mm. Do they stick to the side of the glass? Do you start playing some berry white or something? They come up going, "Hey, <laughs> what's going on?" And some people have used a battery with wires, and they'll stick a net in there and, and scoop up, and then they stick a, um, a battery with wires and electricity, makes them jump up, and then you can scoop them. Uh, I never tried that, never seen it happen. I've just heard about it. Um, actually, I saw it on YouTube. I think it was. Then uh, other guys, they they'll sift through with their hands and Ugh. get them to come up into the water column and then <clears throat> scoop it with a net. Um, there's other. If you use a net and scoop up the gravel with them in it, you can have it over a cup. And soon, before too long, they'll wiggle through the net and then fall into the bottom of the cup where your gravel will stay in there. Okay. That's another another good way of doing it, but it takes, it takes a little while to do. You know, up here in the Northland, uh, we're in the land of 10,000 lakes here in Minnesota, and a lot of the guys mm -hmm. who go out and collect, collect uh, night crawlers have the probes they put in the ground, and the night crawlers come right to the top of the grass and, and start crawling around, and they grab them by fingers. So I could see that working... Oh. If you, as long as you have the right sort of voltage, I don't know what it would be. Yeah. As we're wrapping this up, I also uh, wanted to make sure that we're getting all the questions answered. We have uh, one of the listeners that asked about the hump on uh, old uh, rainbow fish. Um, do they have to be concerned yeah. about that uh, getting, you know, too big? Is that uh, something to be proud of, like a cock and a flower horn? Um, I kind of look at it as as a proudness thing, uh, but then. Uh, it, it's natural for them to get that hump as they get older. I mean, it's uh, just—it's very common. It's almost like they have a small beak and then this big, humongous body that that builds up over them in time. It's like this one big turquoise I have. And then, oh man, he's—he's he's beautiful, but he's—he's he's got the big old humps. My my grandmother had the same thing. It was osteoporosis. I my think. humps. My lovely lady lumps. No, we're not, we're not singing that song, Robs. Speaking of which, how uh, is Josh Jamal doing? <laughs> I, I have not seen Josh now for for about a month. Have you? Okay, no, he's probably f shooting another film. Yeah. Um, as we're wrapping up, uh, you mentioned about you know extinct or rare species. Uh, people that are listening, mm -hmm. you know that suddenly are mesmerized and want to get into rainbow fish or have been in the rainbow fish, how would you recommend that they can support and help these particular uh, in-need species? The best thing you can do is, one, just, it's kind of hard to do, but go on, go on to Aquabid. I, I know I've said it a few times. Look for the pure species. <clears throat> Make sure you've got it. If, you, if somebody can tell you a location, generally they're the uh, collection site uh, they're going to be a little bit more trustworthy as okay maybe they do have pure ask more questions then you can go to cares.org c-a-r caresforfish.org uh, they're based I believe out of Australia and you can look up all of the extinct ones um, anything that's endangered 
and how endangered they are and then once you know you have quality pure then you can list on there that you have it and what they they're kind of how would you put it um they're an organization that wants to know what is out there in the world and if it's extinct in the wild and you happen to have it and let's say that they want to do a study or or something on that species and you could be called I'm sure somebody else is gonna be ahead of you but they're just kinda of wanting to know what is out there who has what caretakers yes so what are some species so maybe a couple species that you'd recommend that are in your opinion uh, um, and most in need um, one of the ones that is it's one of my favorite too is look for the amari they're gonna pay the price for it you could end up paying a hundred bucks a fish because they are extinct Blair eye um, and believe it or not the Bosmani but Bosmani is getting ready to go extinct in the wild but yet you find them in the aquarium trade but they're they've been inbred a, a ton unless somebody has like Gary will work with and Lori from uh, uh, rainbowfish.live has worked with a bunch of seagrass farms and and many different farms where they they will bring them quality pure strains and get them back on track of, of having good pure quality stuff that they get back to the stores how long does it last who knows uh, they're inbred and, and crossbred before you know it uh, and you start losing the quality you find a lot of bent spines that way um, so definitely Support your local store if you breed. Get a hold of uh, caresforfish.org and let them know what you have. Um, and, and usually that's done through your, your uh, club, which you were talking about starting a club too. Yes. Uh, get involved with Cares for Fish. They are a little difficult to to get all the paperwork filled out and and get it going but once you do it's kind of like it's something to be proud of um, that's one of the best things to do for the for the rainbow community um, <clears throat> search out your clubs uh, find out what they have and if if you find that you've got people that are interested in it breed a few for them uh, and you know auction them off support you know support them there's hundreds of species of rainbows and people don't have a clue what's out there and yet some of these have so much color it's kind of like wow you gotta you gotta look them up i don't know why they they just haven't other than they take too long to to grow up and grow out and who wants to spend a ton of money and in, in food to feed them up for months and months to grow out but if you can be a supporter and and get a, around going and yeah, that would that'd be awesome. You know, you you mentioned Aquabid several several times, and yeah. I I I've bought quite a bit of stuff out of Aquabid, and I'd like to stay. When you're looking at Aquabid, they have re the reviews just like they do on Amazon and stuff. Go through that. Try to stay with mm -hmm. the people who are from the United States, because what happens? Um, I'm right now. I'm doing some high end guppies, and I'm finding that there's some really cool stuff 
from overseas in Thailand, but you have to use trans shippers and, and your $40 mm-hmm. pairs of fish end up to be about $100 by the time you get them here. And then if you read the fine print from these breeders in Thailand and stuff that are sending stuff, they'll say, if you give me a bad review, he, you can never buy from us again. And then we're going to, I mean, it's just a long list of things they're going to do to you. And uh, yeah. I mean, that's no way to do business. So if you can support, yeah. support uh, and a little communication, finding out from, other people who who they like to use and stuff, you go on there and and they do have a really good review policy on Aquabid and stuff, and that's what I always look for before I even start talking to people. Absolutely, yeah. And any any uh, seller that has any kind of stipulation like that, walk away from. Right. Basically, they're saying I got bad stuff, and if you're going to give me a bad review on my bad stuff, then this is what we're going to do to you. Yeah. Not worth it. And so if you'll see the American flag. Um, in a lot of those and that's telling you and if you click on, on information about the seller it'll tell you they're in michigan or though in tennessee and stuff and it just makes you feel a little bit better uh about yeah. things when you know you're dealing with somebody that you could drive over to their house and beat the crap out of them if they give you some bad stuff or shit on their lawn yeah. that's know? exactly what i'm gonna do and then have their roomba yeah. suck it up and spread it across the, right. house. Across the lawn outside <laughs> across the I'm lawn i'm bringing my <laughs> roomba and it, if this happens to anybody where your Roomba, my wife's really good at cleaning out Roombas of dog crap. It took her two and a half hours, so I'm sure she would gladly do it for three, four hundred dollars. Well, Larry, uh, you got any other uh, notes or something you want to shout out for your local community? Um, shoot, anybody in the California area that would like to join a good club? Um, I've got I got many groups that I I, I work with. I even have um, one from my local area, um, or needs any mentoring or uh, looking for. Yeah, feel free to reach out. Now, I yeah, I do shipping. Um, just remember, post office has a lot of issues with shipping. Um, you, you don't know if they're going to be on time or not. I'm one that I'll take pictures. I I also do. Uh, I have oxygen. Uh, not, not, not meaning to be here to try to sell. <laughs> sell. Sell when you can. Listen up. If you guys want some rainbow fish, hit up Larry Shankle on Facebook. If you uh, can't find him, go to my name, and then you'll find him as my friend. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, you you got to whore yourself out every now and again. Absolutely. Otherwise, you get no bread. Yeah. <laughs> and so if you guys want a mystery bag... A yeah, mystery bag from Larry. You know that's what we should do. We should listen to our podcast, Mystery uh, Rainbow Eggs from Eggs Larry, right. and and you get what okay. you get. I think you should do that. Larry. That's great. Oh, I I'd, I'd be more than happy. I'd be really willing to do something like that, a mystery bag, and they wouldn't be uh, unhappy. They they'd be happy, but it would be a mystery bag. Yeah, <laughs> that would be funny. You know, you, you, here's the deal. You you give it to them. You, you give them six months to grow them up, and and. Keep us a, a little ledger of what you sent them and stuff. And when they call and tell you, say, you know what? If you give me more money, I'll tell you what they I, are. I think that the only Charge thing that can, twice. <laughs> the only thing that could make it better is if you give them a list yeah. of what it could possibly be. Right. Like here's like a list of twelve yeah. or fifteen species. Guess which one you got. <laughs> and make one of them like super super expensive, so they think they might have gotten. That's that. right. Right. Give them like three <laughs> rare hits, and then like the rest are like commons. You know. That's funny. Oh man, yeah, uh, it, yeah. It could be uh, anything like Picta. It could be a Gary Langi. It could be yeah. <laughs> there you go. Love it. Yep. Well, uh, 
Larry, thank you for coming on. It really means a lot. I know this has been a long time in the making, but I'm uh, I'm very tickled to come on. And again, I can't uh, under uh, underline enough how everybody I've ever mentioned your name to just has nothing but praise, and uh, uh, I I can see why. Oh, thank you. I I really appreciated you you asking me. I got to tell you, I, this is a blast. I love it. Awesome. Well, uh, Adam, you got any other comments? No, no. All right. I'm good. Thank well, you. for those that are listening, uh, if you like what you hear, uh, number one, go visit Larry, get some mystery eggs. Uh, but you can also help support the podcast. We have a Patreon. Uh, go to our Patreon page. If you are a $15 a month subscriber and you want to support us that that, that well, uh, we will send you a uh, car filter, or excuse me, car sponge filter uh, autographed by Jimmy himself. Yeah, I made it out of a, of a 1969 Ford Galaxy 500. I took the seat out, I cut it up, I made a sponge filter for you, I signed it, and if you don't like it, there's, it doesn't matter. I mean, we, I'm not taking it back. <laughs> all of them weren't from that particular one. You also did some like newer '80s and '90s Cadillacs. Yeah, every anything time I see a wreck alongside the highway, yeah. I try to stop and you grab a car seat. You cut out the front seats. Exactly. Yeah, because the bat seats are gross. Uh, but yeah, check it out. Go to our Patreon page. Certainly, uh, certainly love your support. And then, if you want to listen to these things live. Right after this podcast, Larry's going to do a fish room tour. So go to uh, aquariumguyspodcast.com. Bottom of the website, you'll find Discord link. Join it. You'll you'll get notifications when these go live. And, uh, yeah, join the debauchery. The other thing I want to say is if you know somebody, if you've got a hook into a buddy who's an expert on anything fish-related, give us the information if they're interested in being on this podcast because it's a lot of work. Robbie spends a lot of time hunting people down. I think he's got a, a couple of, of, you know, what? It is is easily 95% of the effort of the podcast is arranging people. The amount of people that I've ro- reached out to and uh, have wanted to come on the show but can't because they don't have internet or they don't have a, t- a piece of uh, uh, computer to actually run this on or some other limitation has been difficult. And then when we finally do get so- something happen, you know, we'll try to schedule something, get it on the Discord, and they'll cancel because of a life emergency. So, I mean, get coordinating and finding people is very difficult. Yeah. We have all different types of requests for different fish, different topics, and we could talk about it, but we're not the, you know, uh, experts in a lot of those topics. No. If, if any of those topics. We want to hear from, from somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody and we can get them on this podcast. We are working on... Or like Larry, where everyone knows. That's him. right. Yeah. But right now, we're working on a Pacific one on anal, anal, axolotls. 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 And, yes. And we've been working on it for a couple of weeks, and we're hoping to have that for you soon. But um, it's a lot of darn work trying to find everybody to be on this podcast. So like I said, if you've got anybody or any suggestions other than to go to hell, you can <laughs> let us know. All right. Uh Again, thank you, Larry, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks, guys, for listening to the podcast. Please go to your favorite place where podcasts are found, whether it be Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever they can be found. Like, subscribe, and make sure you get push notifications directly to your phone so you don't miss great content like this.